Amen, amen, amen. How we doing this morning, guys? Y'all all right? Who's glad they came to church today other than me? Goodness. Man. You know, uh, Psalm 100 talks about how we, we come into his presence with singing. Um, in case you're wondering, you know, it, singing is not just like, hey, you know, this is a good idea. It's, sun- it's Sunday morning. Let's, you know, let's sing some songs. Like, it's actually been given to us by God as like the open doorway as we draw near to him and as we uh, really have an encounter with his goodness and his love. How many of you guys feel the love of God coming into your hearts this morning, just being here with the people of God? Amen. Well, hey, um, just I want to share a couple quick life group thoughts before we jump in, just as we heard that testimony from Deborah and Parker and I just, we just kind of sense that like it's time for us to kind of reframe and redefine. We talk about life group a lot, but we don't really explain life group a lot. We just kind of keep like banging the drum and like hope that you're going to take the bold step of faith and show up at some random person's house on a Tuesday or Wednesday night. But really, just this, will, this is going to be like three minutes, just so you know, okay? So um, in Acts chapter 2, uh, Jesus, well, Acts chapter 1, Jesus ascends into heaven, which is just crazy, right? I mean, after his death on the cross, paying for all of the sins of mankind, his incredible triumph, kicking the stone out of the tomb, right, and resurrecting from death, and then like 40 days later, he just leaves. You know, it's like, that show of power, like, wouldn't you be like anchoring your kingdom on the earth, you know, like, Hey, I'm, I'm the real deal, the risen Lord, right? But he leaves, and he actually said, it's better for you that I go away because I'm going to send you the helper, the Holy Spirit, and he's going to be inside of you. And so in Acts chapter 2, he makes good on that promise, and God pours out the, what, the, what the Bible calls the, the promise of Abraham. So if you remember Abraham, we're going to talk about him in a minute, he was at the very beginning So all that to say, guys, is this whole story from Abraham to Acts chapter 2 has been leading up to this moment where the Holy Spirit is released upon the earth. God, literally, the spirit of a holy God living inside of people. Not living inside of a temple, a building anymore, living inside the temple of our hearts. The the holiness of God living inside of us, and so it comes in Acts chapter 2. Okay, the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. And what happens is so amazing. And what happens is the, the, God pours out something into the Old Testament wineskin, if you will. I'm not going to get into it, but if you've read these scriptures, you probably go, old, new wine, old wine, what? He pours out his Holy Spirit, and the temple can't contain it anymore. It flows out into the people, and where does it end up? In the houses. The old covenant wineskin, which was we come to a sanctuary and we just meet with God right here, it broke out of that and it ended up in the people's homes. And so in Acts chapter 2, we see the people gathering from house to house. They still gathered at the temple, they still had a corporate moment together, but then they gathered house to house, and that was where the church was built, it was actually built in the homes. It wasn't built on Sunday morning. This is a huge part of what we do and a huge part of our family. And so a life group is just 
a group of people that are seeking to live in community with one another. Let me say this clearly. Life group is not what happens on Wednesday nights. That's the life group night. A life group is a group of people seeking to live in community with one another. They get together one night a week at somebody's house called the life group night to worship, pray, and read the Bible together. Is that some helpful clarification? So if you're a life group leader, um, maybe that's some fresh vision for you. Like, oh, wow, man, your life group's not just what happens in your house on Wednesday night. It is the family of God throughout the week, and there's a moment where we gather. So here's the deal, y'all. Here's the invitation. Um, We specifically, young adults and families, what it requires to lead a movement of, of house churches, of life groups, is people that are gifted by the Holy Spirit. How many of you guys know when the Holy Spirit came inside of your heart, he gave you gifts? Every single one of you. If you were born again, the Spirit of God came inside of you and he gave you something, probably two or three or more. But he gave you gifts so that you could be a part of building up this body. That's why we talk so much about owning your place in his mission. Because you have something, every single one of you, have gifts from the Spirit of God. They're not your talents, they're not your skills, they're not just what you're good at or what you like. It is something that God deposited inside of you when he made you a new creation, and the church will not be all that it can be unless you mine that gift out of your soul and use it. So if you have been gifted by the Holy Spirit, specifically in being a shepherd or being in hospitality, where you're just like, man, I I just love people. Like, I'm just, I'm always caring about people, wanting to help people, aware of people. I walk into the room and I can just tell everyone in here that's having a bad morning, you're probably a shepherd. If you're just ultra aware of the flock, you're a shepherd. So I am calling on you. If you are a young adult or a family person and you're asking God, what is my place in this body? And you're, you're a gifted shepherd. I want you to come and talk to me or talk to Billy and say, hey, I think there might be a place for me and helping lead a life group or start a new life group even. It's not a guarantee. There's a process that we walk through, but I'm calling on you shepherds. Amen? Amen. So, all right, that's my life group group spiel. You guys ready to get into the living and active word of God this morning? Come on, y'all. Hey, so, man, worship. You guys thankful for this worship team up here? So as we were were preparing for this Sunday, we really felt like, um, we really felt like God was inviting us into just nearness with himself, and in that place, some real healing of some hurt, of, of some like hurting places, and uh, I feel like that's kind of what's hap- what happening this morning. Like there was definitely a, man, God, you are coming close, and you're healing us. You're restoring some broken, broken things, really that Jesus came to bind up the brokenhearted and to restore us to be oaks of righteousness. I want to talk about the gospel of Matthew as we get started this morning. And really, I just want to talk about the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ. We just need to recenter ourselves again on the new covenant. So Jesus, Jesus gets baptized by John, comes out of the water, and the Spirit of God leads him into the wilderness. How many are familiar with Jesus' 40 days in the wilderness? Okay, He's led into the wilderness by the Holy Spirit. He's led, let me say it again, he's led into the wilderness by the Holy Spirit because God had a testing 
a trial that he wanted to form something deep in Jesus. There was something that Jesus needed to go through. God was leading him into the wilderness for his good, but the enemy met, met him there to destroy him. So real quick word, if you're in a wilderness, okay, if you're in a wilderness, God is wanting to empower you through your wilderness. He's actually wanting to do something deep and refining in your life, but the enemy is right there next to you, also coming at you and tempting you in the wilderness, okay? But if you grab onto the word of God, like Jesus did, then you can send the enemy packing, like Jesus did. And the, my whole point is, Jesus emerged from the wilderness, the scripture says, empowered by God. Empowered by God. You see, when the enemy comes right in your ear and tempts you, and you grab a hold of the word of God and send him packing, it actually upgrades you. Something happens inside of you where you become empowered like Jesus to overcome the enemy. Amen? If you, do you know you were made to overcome the enemy? Jesus came out of the trial empowered. Every time you look at the enemy and say, nope, you get an upgrade, okay? I'm telling you, you know that. Every time the enemy tempts you and says, hey, just take a shortcut here, man, and you say, get behind me, Satan, and you grab in the word of God, you actually become more of an overcomer, okay? That is a process of becoming like Jesus. So he comes out empowered by the Holy Spirit, and he begins to preach the gospel of the kingdom. Here's what I want to start with this morning. What was the gospel of the kingdom that Jesus came to preach? We see him get into it in Matthews 5 through 7 called the Sermon on the Mount. Okay, He comes out of the wilderness and he starts preaching the gospel of the kingdom. And what we get is this three-chapter sermon called the Sermon on the Mount. I wish we had time to unpack it this morning. Go sink your teeth into it and ask God, what is the gospel of the kingdom? What is the gospel? So as, as we've dove into 2020, I've just been studying Matthew and I've been asking God this question. What is the gospel of the kingdom? I want to understand and see this more. Essentially, I want to give you a couple of thoughts of the gospel of the kingdom. First of all, it was a message of righteousness. Say righteousness. righteousness. How many of y'all, that's your favorite word right now? Thanks for being honest. Okay. The gospel of the kingdom was primarily about righteousness, y'all. You see, Jesus... Jesus painted this beautiful picture and a challenging picture of, in the Sermon on the Mount of holiness, okay? He, he, the external religion of the Pharisees had led an entire generation into deception, y'all. Deception called religion, okay? And Jesus was here to set them free, and he did so by relocating the center of holiness from externals to internal, okay? So he came, make no mistake, y'all, he came to bring a sword. Man, if you read the Bible and the stuff that Jesus said to the religious leaders of the time, we're going to read a couple of them later. I mean, he's just like sword of the spirit, you know, he is swinging, man. And he, his message, his gospel of the kingdom was a message of righteousness, relocating righteousness from this external thing that we do to this internal reality of who we are. 
Look at Matthew 5, 17 through 20. Oh, I love this. He just tells them right out of the gate. This is like his first sermon, (laughs) y'all. They'd love it. He just wasn't trying to trick anybody. Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. For truly, I tell you, until heaven and earth disappear, not the smallest letter, not the least stroke of a pen will by any means disappear from the law until everything is accomplished. Therefore, anyone who sets aside one of the least of these commands and teaches others accordingly will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever practices and teaches these commands will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. For I tell you, this is the key, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and the Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Leave that verse up here. The gospel of the kingdom was primarily a gospel of righteousness. And he came right out of the gate. And he looked at all the super clean-cut religious guys that followed all the rules and memorized all the scripture. And he says, unless you're more righteous than those guys, you're not getting in. You're not entering the kingdom. Remember, the gospel of the kingdom. Jesus came, what he is doing, he came to set us free from a righteousness that is determined by what I do on the outside. This is called religion. I better try really hard to look good, to say the right things, to attend church and life group weekly, to check enough religious activity boxes to ease my sinful conscience and certainly never cuss or drink alcohol, okay? That, this is the spirit of religion. And he, what he does here in the Sermon on the Mount, we're gonna, we're gonna see it in a second, is he relocates righteousness from external parameters to a matter of the heart. That's why he's saying, guys, if your righteousness does not exceed these guys, you can't get in. What was he saying? If your righteousness stays external, you are not in the kingdom. It's got to exceed these guys. I would argue he's saying it's got to go deeper than these guys. It's got to get from the outside in. So let me just give you an example. He relocates the center of holiness here time after time. He hits all these topics, lust, anger, uh, get, you know, prayer, all these things from these external activities to these internal things. And here's just one um, in verse 21. It says, you've heard it said to those of old, you shall not murder. But whoever murders will be liable of judgment. Okay, can we just all agree? Here's an easy one, okay? That, that the wrath of God, you guys know that God, the Psalm says that God is a good king who loves justice. The foundations of his throne in Psalms, it says the foundations of his throne are love and mercy. Actually, not what it says. Does anybody know what it says? The foundations of his throne are righteousness and justice. Church, it is a good thing that our king is a just king. 
It is a good king, a good thing that our king is a righteous king, y'all. It is a good thing that evil deeds are judged and that evil people are judged by a just and holy God. So I put an example up here that may be easy for us. Can we agree that if you murder somebody else, that the wrath of God on you, that you being liable to being judged by God, that is like an appropriate thing. Murderers should be judged by God. Rapists, thieves, where the list goes on and gets grayer, right? But it's like, should be judged by, well, so this is what Jesus comes to do. The next verse, look, he relocates, judge, he relocates righteousness. But I say to you that everyone who is angry with his brother will be liable to judgment. Any of y'all have been angry with a brother? Let's go. Y'all, I got in a fight with one of my good friends this week. Man, God was setting me up. I didn't even preach this message yet, man. I was so angry, y'all. I just felt so misunderstood, and we were just missing each other, and I'm just like, man, I want to fight you right now, but I, but I love you, but I'm so mis... I'm just, I'm hurt, and, I'm, and I was angry, y'all. And then I'm preparing this message, and I'm like, man, Lord, you set me up, man, because... This is the righteousness that Jesus came to relocate. Hey, hey, look, he took it from this external action of murdering somebody, and he sets it right inside of your heart. And he's like, no, 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 man. If you're angry in your heart, you're liable for judgment. Are you guys seeing this? And he does this over and over again. He does it with lust. He does it with all kinds of stuff. He says, look, it's not just what's on the outside, y'all. It's he relocates holiness. The gospel of the kingdom was a revolution in righteousness, y'all. A revolution in righteousness. See, righteousness is not just what happens on the outside. It's primarily a matter of what happens on the inside. This is the deep internal holiness that surpasses the righteousness of the scribes and the Pharisees. Jesus would later teach that from the overflow of your heart, the mouth speaks. Y'all remember that one? From the overflow of what is in your heart is where you live your life from. He literally says to these guys a few chapters later in Matthew 12, it's in the tree and the, tree and the fruit analogy, you know, Hey, if a tree's good, it's going to have good fruit. If the tree's bad, it's going to have bad fruit. He looks at these guys, and he goes, how can you speak good when you are evil? Sword, I mean, come on. It's like, I mean, nine words. I mean, what did, oh my goodness. Jesus was a master. How can you speak good when you are evil? Wow! I mean, Jesus. Guys, this is convicting, y'all. The gospel of the kingdom was a gospel of righteousness, and it was meant to expose our false external self-righteousness and lead us to our only hope of true internal holiness. Do you know the gospel? Do you know what your only hope of true internal holiness is. Because that's what we're talking about 
But here we are, part one this morning. It is the good news is that even though your heart is just as angry as mine sometimes and you're bankrupt internally in just a hundred other ways just like me, that Jesus came to do a work deep inside of us, guys, not to give us a religion on the outside, right? We've talked about this recently. We preached this a couple months ago. But Jeremiah 17, 9 says, the heart is deceitful above all else and desperately sick. Jesus says, how can you speak good when you are evil? He's just saying, hey, the heart is sick, man, and and deceitful. Like, you don't have good hardware in here. No wonder the overflow is kind of messy. And this is why he came. The good news is that Jesus came to give us a heart transplant. It's called the new covenant. The new covenant. The promise of God was, hey, I'm not going to just give you a Holy Spirit to help your broken heart rehabilitate. He said, I'm actually going to reach in and pull out your heart of stone and give you a new one. It's a heart transplant. Guys, this is the gospel. This is the good news. The gospel of the kingdom is a gospel of righteousness. Do you know why? He isn't just trying to get us righteous. He's trying to get us into relationship. And we cannot be in relationship with a holy and good and righteous king whose foundations of his throne, the foundation pieces of his throne are righteousness and justice. And he's your father and he wants to be in relationship with you. And there cannot be relationship where we are spitting at the foot of his throne with our unrighteousness where we're spitting at the foot of his throne with our sin and our wickedness. Are you with me? He's not just trying to get us righteous. He's trying to get us into relationship. This is the new covenant. So we're going to pause for a second. This is why Jesus came. Y'all, this is good news. This is good news. If, if you came to church this morning and somebody stood up here and said, hey, you want to have a relationship with God? Here's the 57 things you need to do this week. Here's the 57 rules you need to follow and commands you need to keep, okay? You got a bunch of boxes I need you to check this week so you can have a relationship with God. That would be bad news, man. Kick that guy off the stage. If you hear me ever preaching that gospel, kick me off the stage, okay? The good news is, <laughs> amen, brother. The good news is, He came to give us a new heart. So if you've never heard that gospel before, if you've never heard this good news before, I want to invite you. I'm going to ask you to be bold, man. If you've never asked Jesus for a heart transplant, I'm going to ask you to stand up. If you're saying, Chris, I have never heard this gospel before. I need a new heart from Jesus, and I need it today. Now I understand why my life is producing so much garbage. It's because my heart is garbage. Give me a new heart, Jesus. If that is you, today, I'm asking you to stand up. On the count of three, I'll give you a three-second heads up. I'm asking you to stand up today if you're saying, I need a new heart from God. One, two, three. Somebody needs to get a new heart in this room this morning. Be bold. It's not about making a show. It's about saying, my only hope is the gospel. We got somebody back here standing up? What? I think he's an usher. Who's standing up? Hey, what's up, man? 
Okay. You too? Hey, we got one back here. What's up? Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Okay, so awesome. Guys, put your hand in your heart. Put your hand in your heart. We're going to pray together. Hey, some of y'all might need to pray this prayer. You didn't want to stand up. That's fine. I'm going to assume after we pray this prayer that all of y'all got new hardware from Jesus and you're ready to get to work with a good heart, okay? All right. That's how I'm going to preach to you for the last few minutes here. Brothers, put your hand on your heart, okay? Just pray with me. Jesus, take out my heart of stone. Give me a new heart, Jesus. Give me your heart, Jesus. I am not good without you. I am not good on my own. I recognize that today. And I see that you paid for my sins all of them on your cross, and you rose victorious. You resurrected to give me a new heart, to give me your heart, a heart that can actually love you, a heart that can actually be whole. So I receive today the new covenant, the blood of Jesus for a new heart. Come into my life, Holy Spirit, and help me walk with God. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Hey, y'all give these brothers a hand, all right? <laughs> Praise God, man. So, look what Jesus does next. After the Sermon on the Mount, after laying down three chapters of the gospel of the kingdom in Matthew 5 through 7, he goes out in Matthew 8 through 10 for a little healing revival, okay? So, I mean, right off the mountaintop, Sermon on the Mount, and boom. And we see, I'm just going to give you a quick run through of what happens in the next three chapters, okay? He cleanses a leper. He heals a sick person. He delivers two demon-possessed guys. He forgives and raises up a, a quadriplegic. He resurrects a dead little girl, and then he sends out his students to go do the same stuff, okay? Cleanses, heals, delivers forgives, raises up, resurrects, and sends out. Now, if that's not a job description you want to hop on board with, you might still need to get that new heart inside of you, okay? Because that's the gospel of the kingdom. He came to preach it, and then he came to demonstrate what happens when we get right on the inside, y'all. We can get healed and whole on the outside, okay? Because how many of you guys know that every single broken Sick, leprous, paralyzed, dead place in your life is the result of sin and wickedness. Either yours or somebody else's or the cumulative effect of living on this broken planet. And so Jesus came. Why all the healing? Why the miracles? Why this showy you know, author display of authority over demons? He was validating this revolution of righteousness. He was saying, guys, we've missed it, y'all. We've made it about these externals. We've missed it. He relocates righteousness to the heart. And he says, if we get righteousness in the heart, let me show you what's going to happen to this planet. It's going to be cleansed, healed, delivered, forgiven, raised up, 
resurrected, restored, and then you're going to get enlisted to be a part of the army of God that's walking on the planet, not trying to be all religious people, but walking on the planet with a new resurrected heart alive on the inside saying, I was the leper that got cleansed, man. I was the paralyzed guy that you raised up by the hand when I had no hope. I was the sick little girl that you healed. I was the dead guy that you resurrected. I was all of those things, Jesus. And you came. You came. This is the gospel of the kingdom. He preached it, then he proved it. If we get righteous on the inside... We can get whole on the outside. You know you, were, you weren't born with all these holes inside of you. You weren't born, sorry. You weren't created broken. You were created to be holy, which in a funny way means you don't have any holes in you. <laughs> okay? You were created to be holy, whole, W-H-O, L, you were created by God to be whole, okay? <laughs> you tracking with me? Yeah. So, <laughs> just so much we could do right there, you know? <laughs> if we get righteous on the inside, y'all, we can get whole on the outside. It's like Jesus came and he was like, y'all, I want to read y'all a verse. If you ever, have you ever wondered... Why all the healing? Why all the miracles? Like, what, what was that all about? He tells us in Matthew 8, 16 and 17. Listen to this, okay? After the Sermon on the Mount, he goes out on this healing revival. Okay, check this out. When evening came, many who were demon-possessed were brought to him, and he drove out the spirits with a word, and he healed all the sick. By the way, go back to that one verse. Hey, who would like to know what word Jesus was using? Hey, I'll give you a hint. I'm not going to give it to you because I want you to go, be a, go dig in the word. I will give it to you, okay? If you continue reading this chapter, read the rest of Matthew 8. Here's a little nugget, homework. Read the rest of chapter 8. I believe that he tells us what the one word is. It's a couple stories later. Ooh, it's a good one, y'all. Or in another place, in another place, Jesus talks about how he casts out demons by the finger of God. Okay? He doesn't even need this, y'all. He doesn't even need the whole arm. He says, if I cast out demons by the finger of God, you'll know the kingdom has come near. One word, y'all. One word. Go find out what it is, man. And if you got any, man you got any demons going around you or somebody else, man, y'all just need to start using that one word. It's a different sermon for a different day. But, okay, he casts out spirits with a word, and he healed all the sick. Why, Jesus? Why? Look at the next verse. This was to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet Isaiah. Don't you love it when the Bible just tells you why? Guys, it was prophesied about Jesus 800 years before he walked the planet that he would take up all of our infirmities and bear all of our diseases, okay? So he was fulfilling and validating to this religious Jewish audience that he 
was the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, the Prince of Peace, the Anointed Messiah, the Wonderful Counselor, the Everlasting Father, the Almighty God, and everything else that was prophesied that he would be, and he was fulfilling it by first preaching a message of internal holiness and then going out and touching people. And look what happens when the kingdom comes near. Because guess what, y'all? None of this sickness, paralysis, leprosy, death, brokenness, none of this stuff exists in heaven, y'all. So on earth as it is in heaven, let me show you what happens when heaven walks around. By the finger of God, you will see what the kingdom looks like. None of this stuff is in heaven. He was saying, let me show you what humanity looked like before it was ravaged by sin. I'm going to cleanse and deliver every person you bring to me because I, I want to show you when we get whole on the inside what it can look like on the outside. Are y'all, are y'all seeing this? Jesus is amazing, y'all. He's amazing. And he came to restore us from these broken branches to oaks of righteousness. All right, are we doing okay? Y'all got a few minutes left in the tank here or what? Okay. So, this is the gospel of the kingdom, guys. Man, if you're still trying to be holy on the outside without a revolution on the inside, stop. Stop. At best, you'll become a Pharisee. You'll, at best, you'll succeed and become a religious Pharisee. Read the New Testament. You don't want to join that team. At worst, you'll fail over and over again like me and get sunk in all kinds of self-condemnation and guilt and self-hatred and this epidemic of depression and suicide that's sweeping our planet because we know something's broken and we're trying so hard to fix ourselves and we can't fix ourselves. Need a new heart. So I'm going to ask again, man, if you need a new heart today, will you stand up and get one? I'm serious. I'm serious. Anybody? This is the new covenant. We cannot afford, church, we cannot afford to be religious people. All right. Can I assume that you guys all have new hearts? Can we talk about faith for a minute and then close? Man. It's really nice when you, you know, spend all this time preparing a message and and then you just end up somewhere else. Another one for another day. Man. I believe what God is saying to us as a church family, kind of wrap this up here in the next five to ten minutes, and I believe for us with new hearts, we're being restored by the gospel of the kingdom. I believe that God is saying that the time is now This is not me. This has been a word that's been floating around the Antioch movement. The time is now, but I was praying about it this weekend. I felt like God filled in some of the back end for me. He said, the time is now, so put your hand on the plow. These are not days, guys, for us to be coasting. These are not days for us to be just kind of wandering 
aimlessly through our days, not, not really sure of our purpose and, and what we're supposed to be doing, y'all. These are critical days in the kingdom, and we gotta, we got to put our hand to the plow. And last week, Andrew was here preaching, guest speaker, just phenomenal job, and he said this one sentence. I just felt like we need to kind of catch this baton from last Sunday and pull it forward, and he said that faith always requires faith. Faith. Faith always requires faith, y'all. So we get into this kingdom by faith, and we actually help move the kingdom forward by faith. Hebrews 11.1, faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things unseen. Very simply, y'all, faith, faith is the ability to believe God, to believe who he is, to believe what he says. But here's the thing about faith I feel like God wants us to hear this morning, okay? Faith, how many guys, let's be honest, how many guys you've like, you've heard about faith before and you're kind of like, okay, I know I'm supposed to have faith. All right, all right. Uh, faith, come on, be honest, you know, it's like, uh, try and help, uh, you know, like, like, guys, let me, uh, y'all, faith, Romans 10, 17, guys, the Bible's so clear about this, I hope this sets you free today, it set me free, faith comes from hearing, faith comes from hearing, ESV says, faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. Guys, faith is not something you can conjure up. Faith is not something that is birthed out of thin air. Faith is what happens when you hear God. Faith comes from hearing. How many of you want to be men and women of faith? You want to walk in faith that shakes the nations of the earth. You want to walk in faith that moves mountains. You want to walk in faith that sees the dead raised and the sick healed and all that stuff. Faith, you're not going to conjure that sucker up. It comes from hearing, y'all. It comes from hearing. Because faith rests on what he says, it's important that we realize, man, we got to listen. we got to listen. Let me give you a couple examples of how this works real quick. So, um, God, there's, there's actually creative power in the voice of God, right? There's creative power in his voice. So when people are not a part of the equation, God says something and it happens immediately, right? Like with creation, right? People aren't involved. It's just God. Let there be light. Boom. Immediate creative power in the voice of God, right? Well, when you get people involved, though, which is necessary because people broke the planet and so people got to restore the planet. If you are wondering why Jesus wasn't just called the son of God, but the son of man, because man broke the planet when we handed the keys to the devil and so man's got to rebuild the planet, okay? And so there's a necessary partnership. So God speaks to man and because now there's a partnership of faith involved the creative power in his voice takes a little longer i'm not calling anybody out but because some of us don't listen the first time some of us don't believe the first time there's still creative power in the voice of god are you following me there's creative power in the voice of god but now we're involved in the process so it's not as immediate 
I'm going to give you an example. Abraham, okay? God pulls Abraham out of his tent, and he whispers to him. He says, leave. Go away from this country. I'm going to take you to a land that I'm going to show you, and I'm going to make of you a nation that is going to change the entire reality of planet Earth. I know you don't have any kids yet. I know you don't know where we're going. But trust me, leave this place. I'll show you. Guys, it was probably a 60-second interaction. God spoke. Now, Abraham... He nails it out of the gate. He believes God on this radical promise, y'all, and he leaves the land, okay? And he enters into this story, the creative power of God's voice. Guys, this is the mustard seed. It was a one-minute moment. God spoke. Nothing changed about the planet when God spoke, but something changed in Abraham when he believed. He leaves, and he starts pretty good. He starts pretty good walking with God by faith, right? But it still takes his wife kind of a long time to get pregnant. So at some point in the story, Abraham takes matters into his own hands. He's like, God, how are we going to fulfill this promise that you said to me if my wife can't have any kids? And so he takes her maid, and I think you all know what happens from there, and he takes matters into his own hands, okay, instead of waiting for God to fulfill his promise And how many of you guys know, if you read the story, it gave birth to a lot of heartache on the planet. And it actually delayed the fulfillment of the creative power of God's voice. Are you seeing this? It slowed down the fulfillment of the word and introduced a lot of heartache to the planet and he got convicted, and he turned back. Okay, Lord, I am sorry. Not my will, but your will be done. And he got back in the flow of faith and waiting and God, and eventually the promise would come to pass. But how many guys know that promise of him, of his people, actually possessing the land that God said, I mean, it was hundreds, if not thousands of years. Oh, but they possessed the land. And oh, but they became a mighty nation. Guys, this is, the, this is the mountain that's the result of the mustard seed. Faith comes from hearing. Are you guys tracking with me? This was a one-minute moment that did, he received. It did something in his heart, and it led to a mountain. Guys, guys, do not, please don't miss with mountain. Moments can become mountains if you believe. Moments can become mountains of what God is wanting to speak to you, what he is wanting to do through you. He's wanting to say something to you. It might be one minute, but if you receive that by belief, here's the deal. You receive it in a moment of faith, and then you walk it out in what we call faithfulness, Did y'all catch that? There's a moment of faith where God says, I'm going to do this. And you say, I believe, yes, Lord. But it doesn't just come into creation right there in a second. There's a moment of faith. 
But then there's a walking out called faithfulness, and that's what Abraham had to do to see the people possess the land. Let me give you one more example. Actually, band, y'all start making your way up here, um, if you don't mind, worship team. Um, Guys, this church exists right now in this room because of a three-minute moment that Tyler Hardy had in in an empty cul-de-sac with God where the still small voice of God in a three-minute moment invited him on a journey to plant a church in College Station. The moment that God whispered that invitation to Tyler, just like he whispered that invitation to Abraham, how many of you guys know that this church still did not exist? Nothing was different about 1803 Briarcrest at that point in time. This didn't exist. It was a mustard seed. It was a mustard seed of the still, small voice of God whispering. He believed in a moment that seed hit the soil of Tyler Hardy's heart. And then he turned and said, all right, Lord. And he walked out faith, faith, fullness of faith day after day, year after year, planting a church in a city where they didn't have friends, family, anyone, meeting in the basement of, of the Hilton Hotel, basically. You know, it's like, you can see what I'm saying? So I believe that God some of y'all already have the mustard seed. Some of y'all, God has already spoken something to you. You're still carrying that thing. I want you to know there's still a mountain in that mustard seed. Don't quit. Don't give up. Don't stop being faithful for whatever it was that he spoke. Don't give up. Some of y'all need him to put a mustard seed in your heart today. Because you're like kind of wandering around going, man, what's my purpose in life? What? I, they've been talking about own it. They've been giving me this vision about owning my place, you know, but I don't even know what I'm supposed to own. So I'm going to invite you to stand. I'm going to invite you to stand this morning. Are we doing okay, y'all? Have I yelled at y'all too much this morning? Are we good? I'm not yelling at y'all. I'm just like, I'm fired up. Guys, we're a part of a good kingdom. We got a good king. And he's moving. And he wants, not just wants us. Guys, we're integral. Do you guys see how much is riding on our faith? Do you see, like, your actual belief and your actual faithfulness to walk it out, it actually affects the timeline of what God's wanting to do through your life. Some of y'all got a mustard seed of faith of something a long time ago, and and you're like, okay, God said it, he's gonna do it. God said it, he's gonna do it. But then you didn't do anything about it. God said it, he's gonna do it. No, God said it because he wants you and him to do it together you got to walk it out in faithfulness with him. You with me? Let's invite our prayer team up here this morning. 
Here's what we're going to do. For the first few minutes, y'all, I believe that God wants to walk around the room. We're not going to start singing any songs. We're just going to have a few minutes of reflection here. I believe God wants to walk around the room this morning. I believe there's some good hearts, some new covenant hearts, some good soil in the room, but your soil needs a mustard seed. I believe God wants to speak. I believe he wants to speak to you. If you don't know, this is our first response. If you feel like, man, God, I don't know what I'm here for, what you're calling me to own, we're just gonna take a moment and say, God, what, what do you want me to own? What's the mustard seed you wanna plant in my heart, okay? We're gonna do that just for the first few minutes here. Let's just kinda take a few moments uh, to ask God, what, God, what do you want me to do? What are you asking me? What seed are you asking me to carry in your kingdom? Let's just take a few moments there. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Come and speak, Lord. Thank you that you're a good father. These are your sons and daughters in this room. They can hear your voice. Your sheep hear your voice. Come and speak, God. Release your word into the hearts of your children. God, I pray for mustard seeds to be planted in hearts. God, what do you want me to do? Just ask him, what dream, God, are you calling me to carry? something God's called you to and just being honest you've lost heart you've been tired of carrying that thing and you've just maybe you've given up or maybe God's speaking something we want to pray for you this morning we wholeheartedly believe that there are dreams locked up in every single heart of this room something in the kingdom of God that he wants to do in and through your life in partnership with you and so if you've got something this morning these guys are here we're going to just respond and worship and uh, these guys would love to pray with you so Jesus we just thank you we thank you that you have given us a kingdom that cannot be shaken, Lord. We thank you that there are powerful, um, powerful dreams that you've spoken to our heart. I just want to invite you forward if you want prayer this morning. Go ahead and start coming forward, Lord. There are things that you've asked us to carry. There are people in this room that are weary of carrying those things, Lord. Maybe they haven't seen them grow yet. But we just say, Lord, that you're still watering these seeds today. Maybe they haven't seen them come to pass yet, Lord. But we know, God, we will believe what you spoke and we trust you. Maybe you're just needing next steps in something God spoke to you. Like, okay, God said this to me, but I don't know what to do with it now. Come forward and let somebody pray for you. Let somebody give you a word of encouragement. Let somebody affirm what God is speaking in your heart. Holy Spirit, come and water these seeds of faith today in Jesus' name.